The Word of God teaches its adherents to set their hopes on eternal things. An excellent example is 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It is certain that this life is uncertain. Life expectancy can range from minutes to a hundred years, and no one can predict with certainty the outcome. The Bible uses the term uncertain riches. People live from paycheck to paycheck, and a rich man can be reduced to rubble in a moment. One spouse will die and desert the other. Children will forget, neglect, and even take advantage of their parents' love. Health is an uncertain proposition, and since time began, it has basically escaped all. This is not a good picture, but God shows a better way. That better way is Jesus Christ, who is a constant certainty. Consider a few a few beautiful verses. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John chapter 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Revelation 21, 3 through 5. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Have you been born again? Would you like to participate in eternal glorious certainty? Would you like to meet Jesus Christ today? You can do it now. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God now. For today's subject, God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Man said, boom, here we are. Now the record. God's word never changes. The pronouncements he made thousands of years ago still stand. They are the inerrant truth. On the other hand, man's truth of today debunks his truth of yesterday. His truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow. God's word never changes, and that is the nature of truth. When the scriptures speak of the coming of the Antichrist and the second coming of Jesus Christ to receive his church, we find this passage in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 11. 
And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Romans 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Those who cast off the word of God receive strong delusion, or as the Apostle Paul writes, a reprobate mind. That's why carnal men steadfastly promote their delusions. The earth is just over 6,000 years old. That is what the scriptures clearly teach. Evolutionists ridicule such biblical pronouncements in spite of the fact that their house is collapsing like the proverbial house of cards. The following excerpt is from a September 2014 Scientific American feature article titled, Welcome to the Family. Tracing the evolutionary ancestors of Homo sapiens was once thought to be a relatively straightforward matter. Australopithecus begat Homo erectus, which begat Neanderthals, which begat us. Over the past 40 years, fossil finds from East Africa, among other things, have completely shattered that hypothesis, end of quote. An October 2014 Discover magazine feature titled Beyond the Outer Limits deals with the problems physicists are having with information returning from the European Space Agency's Planck satellite. A few paragraphs follow. Trouble starts when you pull back and take in the big picture. Scientists have long believed that the universe as a whole must be the same in all directions. The laws of physics are symmetric, after all, so the universe should be so as well. Einstein even enshrined that idea as the cosmological principle. But the Planck maps are not nice and uniform, not even close. Look closely and you'll notice two major signs that something's off kilter. First, the northern half of the sky looks substantially lumpier than the southern half. Second, the southern part of the sky sports a large cold spot where the cosmic microwaves are less energetic than average. If you run statistics on the Planck data, don't worry, someone already did this for you, you'll discover a third oddity. The universe is distinctly less lumpy on large scales than it should be according to standard cosmology models. I asked George Eftethau, a veteran astrophysicist at the University of Cambridge and a key member of the Planck science team, what he makes of these anomalies. You'd have to admit that the universe looks a bit odd, he agrees. The question is, how odd? My own assessment is that it's odd at the 1 to 20 level. That means there's a 1 in 20 chance that we are simply seeing the effects of random variations. Flip it around. There's a 19 in 20 chance that there is some funny business going on. Current cosmology models indicate that our universe was born with an extremely high initial energy. Uh, Mersini Hogton notes, otherwise it would have fizzled out as soon as it began. That specificity gnawed at her, especially after she heard physicist Roger Penrose calculate the odds of it happening by chance were an absurd 1 in 10 to the 127th power. 
That's one chance in 10 with 127 zeros following it. I wondered, why should we have had such a special start? That's been a big problem in physics. End of quote. The headline of the January-February 2015 issue of Discover Magazine reads, The Year in Fraud. Several excerpts follow. The suicide of a stem cell researcher in Japan last summer prompted a great deal of soul-searching in science. Yoshika Sasi's death came after a scandal involving two papers retracted for fraud, the most high-profile case of scientific misconduct in 2014. But it was far from the only one. Serious questions were also raised about stem cell research by Harvard's Perot and Versa. We learn more about Corey Toth, a former diabetes researcher at the University of Calgary, whose lab fabricated data in nine published articles. And we saw the discovery of an apparent ring to generate positive assessments, a.k.a. peer reviews, of submitted manuscripts, 60 of which wound up being retracted. It might seem, then, that 2014 was an annus horribilis in the world of science fraud. For many in the public, which pays for much of this research in tax dollars, news of these events may have come as a rude awakening. But at Retraction Watch, when we see and hear that kind of commentary, we feel a little like the police captain in Casablanca who proclaims he's shocked, shocked to learn there is gambling at Rick's, only to be handed his winnings a moment later. We started Retraction Watch in 2010, and every year since then, we've witnessed at least a few cases big enough to warrant headlines. Anesthesiologist Yoshitaka Fuji, a record holder for retractions at 183. Diedrich Staple, whose groundbreaking social psychology work was almost entirely fabricated. Jackson Bolt, the German critical care specialist and previous retraction record holder. The list goes on and on. And the quote. Several months ago, God Said Man Said published a feature titled Big Bang, Just Another Chicken Lizard. A few paragraphs are repeated here. A relatively new missing link was uh, Archaeoraptor, which was offered to the public as proof positive that reptiles evolved into birds. This Chinese chicken lizard, much to the embarrassment of the evolutionists and National Geographic, which was promoting it aggressively, proved to be a fraud. It was discovered that someone had glued a dinosaur tail to a primitive bird, and the frauds keep rolling. Famed evolutionist Isaac Asimov made the following statement, challenging creation scientists just before he exalted the peppered moth as his proof of evolution taking place in front of our very eyes. Asimov said, One of the arguments of the creationist is that no one has seen the forces of evolution at work. That would seem the most nearly irrefutable of their arguments, and yet it too is wrong. Concerning Asimov's statement, Dr. Morris of ICR said, Asimov then proceeded to recount the evidence of the peppered moth evolving into the uh, Carbonaria variety of species Beeston Betularia by a process that has been called industrial melanism. This has indeed become the main popular proof of natural selection, convincing countless innocent students of the fact of evolution. 
The idea was that the peppered moth had evolved somehow into the melanic moth as a defense against bird predation uh, during the Industrial Revolution in England and the resultant blackened tree trunks, end of quote. Of course, the supposed truth of the peppered moth and its proof of evolution have since been fully discredited. In regard to the textbooks, evolutionary historian William Provine, when being interviewed by author Judith Hooper, had this to say. It's fun to look through all the textbooks and always this example, and I mean always, is hauled out. End of quote. I'm sure that most prominent evolutionists are aware that their icon, the peppered moth, is no longer an example of evolution taking place before our very eyes. In 1959, the centennial celebration of 100 years of Darwinism was convened in Chicago, where adulation and praise were heaped upon the nothing god of evolution. According to the interviewer, Mrs. Hooper, the peppered moth was becoming evolutionist's number one icon just in time for the big Darwin centennial, end of quote. The keynote speaker at the centennial was Julian Huxley, an admirer of Ford and Kittlewell, who proclaimed the triumph of Darwinism and the death of God. The peppered moth was frequently noted by the centennial speakers. Since that great and heady day of the celebration of evolution in Chicago, the story of the peppered moth was found to be peppered with falsehood. Man's truth, which attempted to discredit God's truth, again became a lie. In the 1970s, young scientists were finding it impossible to replicate Kittlewell's results. In 1976, Ted Sargent, now emeritus professor of biology at the University of Massachusetts, published his first paper, raising doubts about the credibility of Kittlewell's work. And it was more than doubt. Sargent asserted that all the famous peppered moths on tree trunks photographed and published by Kittlewell were fakes. Many other researchers began finding flaws in Kittlewell's research. According to Hooper, some of the critics of the peppered moth were accused of giving aid and comfort to the enemy, the creationists. Hooper went on to say of Kittlewell's research, and its core, uh, at its core, a lay flawed science, dubious methodology, and wishful thinking, end of quote. Cambridge lepidopterist Michael Majerus authored the book Melanism, Evolution in Action. He said there was no doubt that the classic story of the peppered moth was wrong in almost every detail. The following excerpt is from Dr. Morris's paper, Evolutionist and the Moth Myth. It may be surprising to her... Hooper, and other evolutionists, that creationists have never had a problem with the traditional story, except with the claim that it was evolution in action. It was really only variation and conservation in action. It could hardly even be called microevolution, because the moth remained the same species throughout the whole process. End of quotes. Man seeks to find another way, void of the god of accountability and judgment. They construct sophisticated foolishness to house their unbelief. One excellent example in the much vaunted, the much vaunted theory of the Big Bang. In the June 2014 Discover magazine feature Noise, Jonathan Keats writes, Astronomer Fred Hoyle coined the term Big Bang in the 50s, not because he thought it was noisy, because he thought the theory was ridiculous. End of quote. If you are reading today's science publications, you'll find the theory of the Big Bang prominently displayed. 
in the May 2014 issue of the Smithsonian. The headline to their five-page feature reads, Listening to the Big Bang, with its subhead, A Remote Telescope Finds Support for a Revolutionary Theory About the Formation of the Universe. A few excerpts follow. The prominence of the Big Bang Theory skyrocketed, impelling scientists to pry the theory apart, seeking unexpected implications and possible weaknesses. A number of the important issues were brought to light, but the most essential was also the most basic. The Big Bang is often described as the modern scientific theory of creation, the mathematical answer to Genesis. But this notion obscures an essential fallacy. The Big Bang theory does not tell us how the universe began. It tells us how the universe evolved, beginning a tiny fraction of a second after it all started. As the rewound cosmic film approaches the first frame, the mathematics breaks down, closing the lens, just as the creation event is about to fill the screen. And so, when it comes to explaining the bang itself, the primordial push that must have set the universe headlong on its expansionary course, the Big Bang Theory is silent, end of quote. After the unredeemed discuss the theory of the Big Bang long enough and have convinced themselves of this foolishness, the word theory is omitted from the conversation. This short paragraph from the April 2014 issue of Scientific American displays this reality. About 13.8 billion years ago, just 400,000 years or so after the Big Bang, the universe abruptly went dark. Before that time, the entire visible universe was a hot, seething, roiling plaza, plasma, a dense cloud of protons, neutrons, and electrons. If anyone had been there to see it, the universe would have looked like a pea soup fog, but blindingly bright. Around, 400,000, uh, around the 400,000-year mark, however, the expanding universe cooled enough for hydrogen atoms to form at last, an event known as recombination. The fog lifted, the universe continued to cool, and everything faded to black. After the unimaginable brilliance of the Big Bang and its immediate aftermath, the cosmos entered what astronomers call the dark ages of the universe. End of quote. Did God create the earth in its universe in six literal 24-hour days just over 6,000 years ago? Or did we explode into existence, the Big Bang, from basically nothing billions of years ago? The headline in the September 2014 issue of Acts and Facts, written by Dr. J. Herbert, reads, Another Big Bang Blunder. The entire feature follows. 2014 has been a rough year for supporters of the Big Bang model. In March, the BICEP-2 radio astronomy team announced purported direct evidence for inflation, which is an integral part of the Big Bang model. The media loudly trumpeted this as a smoking gun, evidence for the Big Bang, and some Christians eagerly but uncritically accepted the claim. Years ago, inflation was tacked on to the original Big Bang model in order to save it from serious difficulties. Secular cosmologists believe these problems could be solved by postulating that the universe went through a period of inflation and extremely rapid growth spurt early in its history. Over time, inflation theory became increasingly bizarre, leading to the idea of vast multiverse of a vast multiverse composed of infinitely many pocket or bubble universes. Many secular scientists love the multiverse idea. 
If these predicted universes really did exist, then surely some of them, they argued, would have physical laws allowing the spontaneous generation of life from non-living chemicals. Hence, they claimed that a creator was not needed to explain our existence. We earthlings simply got lucky and happened to live in a universe whose physical laws permitted spontaneous generation and goo-to-you evolution. Of course, there is no evidence for the existence of these other supposed universes, and this argument conveniently ignores the fact that spontaneous generation appears to be physically impossible. So even if these other universes did exist, and even if they all had extraordinary laws of physics permitting spontaneous generation, this would still do nothing to explain the origin of life in our universe. At the time of the BICEP2 announcement, the Institute for Creation Research pointed out difficulties with the claim and reminded Christians that secular scientists have often made dramatic announcements of alleged proofs for evolution, proofs which were later quickly walked back by secular scientists themselves. This alleged smoking gun was no exception. A mere two months after the dramatic announcement, even secular scientists were expressing doubts about the claim. By early June, the discovery had been discredited by two independent studies. One prominent theoretical physicist even called it a Big Bang blunder and noted that the BICEP2 researchers made their dramatic announcement to the world before their paper had even been peer-reviewed by qualified scientists. This was a serious breach of scientific ethics and protocol. Worse yet... Researchers from King's College London are now claiming that accepting the BICEP2 results as legitimate would imply that the universe should have collapsed back in on itself shortly after the Big Bang so that our universe should not even exist. This debacle should remind Christians of the dangers of trusting pseudo-intellectual secular origin stories over the Bible's inspired creation account. Rather, we need to go back to Genesis and return to the simplicity that is in Christ, accepting the words of the all-powerful, all-knowing Creator Himself. He was present at the beginning, and He has given us a clear and perfect account of our universe's origin. End of quotes. Big Bang evolutionists' latest and greatest has been debunked. But still, they soldier on. Concerning the findings of the BICEP2 telescope, the October 2014 feature of Scientific American headlines, a beacon from the Big Bang. Even though the initial Big Bang claim on March 17 has been soundly challenged, the beat goes on. The January-February 2014 issue of Discover magazine titled the Top 100 Stories of 2014. Coming in as story number five was the feature titled what made the bang so big, and it highlighted the BICEP2 findings. Both publications now add the caveat that the initial March announcements have been seriously challenged. Carnal man's truth is in a constant state of flux, but God's truth never changes. Malachi 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Build your life on Jesus Christ the rock that never changes. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, 
and forever. Man said, boom, here we are. Now you have the record.